Blood Bath and Beyond Episode 9. I'm Casey Mitchum. And I'm Burton Cody. And even though they always say you should check your candy before you eat it at Halloween time, uh, we, don't, we don't have to ask that question before we unwrap this one because we know it's an absolute treat. We're talking about the ultimate Halloween movie, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat for Halloween. When ghosts and goblins by the store ring the bell on your front door, you better not be stingy or your nightmares will come true. Yes, the now cult film from 2007. Uh, it was, it, was, it wasn't released until 2009. It was shelved unceremoniously. And very unfairly. Yeah. But before we get into that, uh, Casey and I are kind of get into what we really enjoyed doing at Halloween time. That's right. Um, you know, today we're actually recording this episode live. Uh, and when I say that, I mean that we typically Skype from state to state. Uh, you from South Carolina, myself from Virginia. Uh, you know, two states makes a big difference. This is actually completely new to me because I'm so used to being totally alone and at my computer but uh this is cool but this yes cool, sitting side by side in my uh my home office <laughs> yeah <laughs> um using a uh bench press bench as a uh, table to hold all our equipment on yeah we're totally high checked on the show I mean absolutely oh, we're, we're getting there folks we're getting there but, you know, so today the call is coming from inside the house. Um, but, you know, we spent the day uh, doing some pretty traditional Halloween stuff. We went to a pumpkin patch this morning, and we picked out some pumpkins. Uh, we bought them from an aging hippie. He was very proud of that fact, too. Yeah. But uh, we got some good jack-o'-lanterns carved. Unfortunately, this is like radio. <laughs> you cannot see it. But, you know, but you can live through the uh, the charm of our holiday experience. Uh, you know, I did a uh, a Frankenstein's monster esque pumpkin. I say that because it's just a regular pumpkin, but I carved uh, some scars into its face. Yeah, uh, me, I just played it safe and went totally traditional. But it came out looking really good. It looked like something off the cover of John Carpenter's Halloween or something. It must have been subconsciously there this whole time. I don't know. But you know, this has got us thinking about some other Halloween traditions. Uh, you know, things that we really grew up doing as kids. Yeah, um, this is a hol holiday. I know that Casey. And myself, we hold near and dear to our hearts. And so there's things that, there are traditions that we've done since childhood. Um, what, what are some of yours, Casey, you mind sharing? Well, you know, I, I think this being a horror and action movie podcast, you know, since we're so focused on horror, you know, most of my traditions are, you know, sad to say, are, uh, are probably based around movies and TV shows or TV specials uh, I grew up loving. Um, I'm no, not too dissimilar. In particular, I'm a big fan of the Simpsons Halloween specials. I've probably mentioned them on the show already, but they're, or at least they used to be, like, a show altogether. They used to be just these great classic horror movie parodies, and, well, oftentimes they were Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> Twilight Zone parodies, too. They were great. Uh, so, so the Treehouse of Horror special? Treehouse of Horror, yes. Uh, uh, so which, like, were there any in particular that hold a special place in your heart? Um... I mean, there's the one that everybody loves with good reason, and that's The Shinning. It's one of the most hilarious movie parodies ever. Um, I also love the Nightmare in Evergreen Terrace, Nightmare on Elm Street parody with the groundskeeper Willie, and uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores. I'm not the biggest giant monster fan ever, but I just love that 
that, that's the one where a uh, lard lad and all the yeah, advertising large giants, donuts and like just, a giant Marlboro man kind of guy. Yeah, there's a Mr. Peanut and then the Pet Boys kind of guy start eating everybody in Springfield. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, it's a really fantastic one. I mean, you know, and I don't even really keep up with the show anymore. But you know, if I see an opportunity to see the Treehouse of Horror episodes, I'll still go and see them, even if they're not quite what they used to be or the show's not quite what it used to be. They're still usually highlights of a season. Well, uh, I think the producers have even said before that those are what have... They lead the ratings year in, year out. So they're typically their most popular episodes within good reason, too. The expectations are high, even if it's through rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Um, any other particular specials for you? Uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, I had this really well-beaten-up uh, tape of Disney Halloween uh, films, yeah. uh, and that included stuff like uh, Oob Iwerks dancing skeleton short, or uh, you know, had some of the black and white Mickey Mouse cartoons where he's you know fa face facing like the Phantom Blot or like a mad scientist. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a Donald Duck cartoon with him and his nephews trick or treating and witch hazels in it. But the main thing I remember from that beat up VHS tape was uh, the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, uh, mainly the Sleepy Hollow segment in that. Uh, which is narrated by Bing Crosby, and Crosby's narration is so charming that I wish he'd read an audiobook of the original story. Uh, sadly, that was never to be, but close enough. Uh, I, I've, I haven't seen that ever in my life, and it's a shame, because I will never experience it as a child. Uh, but the Ub Earworks skeleton dance is like quintessential Halloween. Well, you know, Disney's movies, especially in that early period, are so frightening in parts. I mean, uh, my favorite Disney movie is Pinocchio, and that is a that's a horror movie if there ever was um, one. Yeah, the the donkey thing is disturbing, and maybe we'll talk about that more in detail one day. But the donkey thing in particular, yeah, the Pleasure Island, scene. Pleasure Island, yeah, that, that bothered uh, me immensely as a child. But the Ichabod uh, sequence in Ichabod and Mr. Toad has a really fantastic scene in which Ichabod is chased by the headless horseman. And it, I, I remember as a child, it terrified me. Like, there's a weird, there's a scene where, like, sort of Ichabod's laughing at himself for being afraid of things he thinks are the horsemen, and his laugh is just kind of echoing in the woods. And, like, you know, he's got his cartoon horse laughing with him, but then the actual horseman shows up, and it's an, it's an absolutely horrifying sequence for, you know, just two straight minutes with, you know, as a kid feels like an eternity. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a movie I still go back to. I mean, I, you know, either through, you know, DVD or YouTube clips, somebody inevitably posts it every year, even if it gets pulled down. Uh, but it's it's about 30 minutes long. I recommend it. We're not it. encouraging piracy, children. No, no, no. But it is out there. It is out there. I mean, nature finds a way. Yes. Um, is there anything else for you? Um, well, just uh, in terms of watching stuff, um, maybe the Universal Monster movies. Yeah. I mean, those get played on TV every year by, you know, like Turner Classic Movies. And up until, like, the early 2000s, when I was still, you know, like, early teenager on AMC. Before they got all commercial and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the Turner Classic movie, yeah, they did quite a few of those, too. Yeah, and they're playing a lot of the Hammer movies. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we saw uh, Frankenstein Created Woman. Yeah, last year. Last year. That was, uh, that was excellent. Back when I had cable, too, I looked forward to, uh, to AMC's monster movie marathons, although typically it was like Halloween 2 through 5, never the first one. Like, it'd be a special treat if the first one came on, but you just keep seeing Halloween 5 over and over. Or uh, uh, Candyman 2. Candyman, yes, the... Uh, Farewell to the Flesh. Yeah, Farewell to the Flesh. Another episode for the future. <laughs> Even though the first entry is better. It's like, you were excited by the sequels. 
Did you have any particular memorable, uh, particularly memorable costumes you made? Um, memorable costumes? When I was pretty young, my mom, she made fantastic costumes, but she sewed them for me. And she made me a great Dracula cape. And I was Dracula with like a blue face and little trickles of blood down. I, I was really into the character because I like, I like to play pretend. Um, I still do, I guess. And, um, well, uh, I think she also made me a Batman costume. These are all well documented in, like, home photos and videos. <laughs> uh, the Batman costume was great, too. Uh, one of my yeah. costumes one year was, uh, you know, I dressed like a ninja, and my younger brother dressed like a cowboy. <laughs> and he, he got really angry and jealous uh, that I had a sword, and his cowboy costume did not. <laughs> so my parents made me switch. So that year we were a uh, gun ninja and sword cowboy. Oh, that is unique. Oh, it's unique. <laughs> it's also way ahead of its time because now you could sell a movie on just that title alone. Gun ninja and sword cowboy. You know, uh, but the other one I really remember, and this goes back. I guess this goes back to my love of the adventures of Ichabod Mr. Toad was yeah. that I uh, I spent a whole weekend when I was like eight or nine making a paper mache giant pumpkin head so I could be the headless horseman, <laughs> and. Uh, and that, that head survived, I want to say, like a decade in the attic. That's pretty cool. Are there any pictures of it? I, I hope so. You know, I, I have to go back to the old family albums, but I'm sure there's yeah. one somewhere. I remember as a kid, I made, um, I had like this really crummy red and uh, green sweater. And I made my own Freddy Krueger claw. I found a dirty old hat. And I tried to make myself look like I was burned in the face, so I bought like a pound of silly putty <laughs> try to like put it on my face and I, was, I don't know how old was I I was like in third grade and that was terrible because like the silly putty got coming off but, but see, that was but my first foray into uh, monster movie makeup I think that speaks to the charm of the holiday though mm -hmm. I mean there there's so much inventiveness that comes from it because you want to be you want to be so impressive and you want your costume to be so cool even if it's only gonna be seen like a few neighbors you know, like you, but you put a lot into it because for that day you get to be something you're not. It's the ultimate escapist holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday built around escapism and mischief. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you're not supposed to enjoy monsters and blood and everything. And it's the monster movie loving kids Christmas. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the day that it's, like, you get to be weird 364 days a year when nobody else gets what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But when Halloween comes, everybody's like, oh yeah, that's cool. It's cool yeah. to be scary today. But if you, if you showed up in a Dracula cape on, you know... November 1st. <laughs> like it's, yeah, they might, it's they, not might, okay. they might call you for some help there. Yeah. Call some help for you. Uh, it's, well, there's also the candy, Casey. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The excuse to have delicious candy. Yeah, I try to not eat a lot of candy for the rest. You know, well, especially now that I'm like in my late 20s, where yeah. it's just all going to go right to my gut. But as a kid, you know, you could get away with eating infinite amounts of candy with no real adverse effect. Enjoy it while you can, children. Those days are numbered. Um, you know, I, I also want to say sort of, you know, and maybe this is maybe this is me looking at this holiday through an adult spectrum, but it doesn't seem like Halloween is quite what it used to be. I mean, in that like I never I don't I don't see as many trick or treaters anymore. I rarely get trick or treaters in my neighborhood. Like I, you know, I, a couple of years now I've bought candy and like I you know maybe I see like ten kids, and it's it's kind of depressing. I don't really know what that turnaround is. I know there's a lot of people saying you know the world is scarier now, but. I don't feel like that's necessarily true, given that our parents were worried about razor blades and chocolate, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I, so I don't know what it is. You know, I, I read a... Oh, man, I wish I could remember who wrote the essay. It might have been Norman Prentiss, or 
another one of those horror writers, but he referred to the Zodiac Killer as the man who killed Halloween, you know, like there was all these beliefs that guys like that, you know, the the new portrait of the serial killer in America made a lot more parents wary about trick-or-treating. Well, I mean, it's the media proliferation of anything scary, and I remember after 9-11, there was like an internet rumor that there was going to be some sort of terrorist attack on Halloween uh, 2001. Of course, it was totally bunk. Um, but I, th- I think that mindset has just carried itself over, over the over the last you know decade. Sure, uh, you know so so beyond the obvious terrors of ghouls and goblins, I mean, there's still a lot of there's a lot of anxiety out there too about the human element. You know, it's, mm-hmm. so it's the it's, real life monsters. Absolutely. So it's I mean it's a day you know festooned around fear, but it also there's a lot of real life anxiety that surrounds it. Um, you know, but. You know, I'm going to bring it back to, to Halloween specials. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's, there's one I have in mind that is, uh, you know, unlike anxiety, it is a warm blanket, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that is The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very fine little TV movie. I understand that you haven't, you haven't seen that one either. I haven't. I apologize. It's okay. I was I, too I, busy rewatching The Shinning. <laughs> I, I haven't really watched the TV special in some time, but I, I really am a big fan of the uh, the Charles Schultz Peanut comics. So every every October, it was nice to see Linus, you know, campaigning again to get, try to get someone to believe in this thing that only he believes in and mm-hmm. is disappointed by every year. Uh, but you know that that brings us right into this movie uh, that we're talking about today because yep. you know because as a character comments when asked, you know, if he wants to watch Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown is an asshole. Yeah. Well, what happens to that kid, huh? Does he get some medal for saying that? No, well, he does just fine. <laughs> oh, he does, doesn't he? So let's, yeah, let's, let's hop right into Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is a movie that uh, is very much in love with these Halloween uh, concepts. Halloween artwork. Halloween colors. It's just a movie, just, it can't get enough of it. And I can't get enough of it for that reason. Yeah, I mean, this the way it presents the world, like, that town in Ohio, wherever that is in Ohio that it takes place, seems like the ultimate Halloween party. Like, they have a Halloween parade, there are hundreds of pumpkins everywhere. It's the most idealistic Halloween, you know, it's set in the American heartland in Ohio and everything. This is the Halloween you wish you could have. Yeah, everyone's in costume, everyone's having a great time, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of super traditionalists there. I mean... I mean, other than the other than the fear of like, if you follow the wrong, if you if you believe in Halloween the wrong way, you're gonna die at the end of the night. Which that, that, that's a little, un, you know, that's pretty unpleasant if you blow out your jack o' lantern candle. But hey, but, but maybe that's the point. You know, like you're, we're talking about like how this is the super Halloween town. So the kids who are really dedicated to Halloween and the traditions, they're gonna be fine. Yeah, maybe the the, yeah, the spirits all know that the Halloween energy is focused on this little Ohio town. And, you know, focus on this little Ohio town, and you say the spirits of Halloween. Well, we get the, you know, the, the iconic character of this movie is a, uh, is a little pumpkin-headed boy yeah. uh, in, in orange pajamas and a burlap sack head. Sam. Sam, uh, which is obviously short for Sam Hain, uh, yeah. the spirit of Halloween. Yeah. Well, um, before we go on any further, we should probably talk about, you know, just the basic story of this movie. Sure. And because this is a movie that plays a lot with conventions and stuff, we're going to try to actually avoid... Um, spoiling the plots. Spoiling, yeah, because this movie's really fun, and it's full of a lot of surprises and, and it's misdirections. A, yeah. And it's a revival of the anthology format. 
which yeah. is not something that's done in horror anymore. Sadly, no. Uh, what is like the last anthology horror movie you could think of? Like Creepshow 2. Yeah, well, recently there was VHS. Okay, yeah. Well, that, that was found footage, though. Right, but oh, that, you're true. That's true, though. I mean, they are trying to do that again with found footage horror. Yeah, but that, that still, that was made after Trick or Treat. Before <laughs> Trick or Treat, it's been a desert. Yeah, it, I, I literally think it was Jump was Creepshow 2 to Trick or Treat, which was what? I mean, like... 25 years? <laughs> right, it's a huge amount of time. Yeah. Um, well, let's, yeah, this is a movie with multiple stories, and instead of having, like, a narrator go from story to story, like Tales from the Crypt style, they're all running in parallel, mm -hmm. and it kind of jumps around in time, kind of like uh, a Tarantino picture. There's some really interesting uses of continuity, though, because, like, you'll see a character from a different story, even if they've been killed already, maybe, in the... Like, we'll, we'll be back in a previous timeline where they were alive and just walking by or about to be threatened by something. It's a very impressive juggling act. And it's a movie a that movie. holds up incredibly well to multiple viewings because then you start really noticing all the little things they throw in. Yeah, you, you'll see certain characters pop up again and again. Characters who shouldn't be there, like, in the literal chronological sense, but they show up again anyways. It, it's it's all very organic, uh, yeah. you know, and it's a fun Where's Waldo Where's Waldo game when you're pointing out like oh that kid with the grocery cart we see him later oh the girl yeah. in the robot costume she met something earlier mm -hmm. or uh, we see the main characters from the previous story like about to go to a party or something it's and often a lot of times uh, because you see a character in a certain position it it adds to like what the I don't know what the story's trying to do and like trying to build things in your mind or even foreshadow stuff. Sure. And I mean, and a couple are, are directly there for us to see. Like, they don't even try to hide them. Uh, the, for example, the main character from the first from the first movie, from the first story, and the main yeah. character from the last story have direct interactions that we see in both. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I would say, the Twilight Zone movie. And the way that starts out with kind of a, an even mini story. That one had, like, Dan Aykroyd and sure. another actor, and Dan Aykroyd eats him in a car. Um, this one's like a husband and wife, and it's the end of the night of Halloween, and they got like a really elaborately decorated. Yeah, it's it's incredible. There's here. like there's like dangling limbs hanging from chains in the tree, and a bunch of scarecrows covered in ghost yeah. uh, sheets. It introduces you to it's an introductory scene to the type of horror you're about to experience, but also to the uh, to what the film refers to as the rules of Halloween. Yeah, and you have to obey them strictly. Uh, at least until November first. That's right. Until until midnight until November first. Yeah. Uh, but you know these, these include uh, wear a costume, mm -hmm. uh, hand out candy, um, never blow out your pumpkin until after midnight, yeah, or else um, you might get an unpleasant visit. Um, but otherwise, that's that is like the introductory and tone and because because our husband and wife you know make the mistake of blowing out their pumpkin and have some dire consequences for it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we have a few more stories in the first, and, uh, each story is a play on certain conventions you'd normally <laughs> see in horror. The first one is a extremely milquetoast white guy, but he's a serial killer. Yes, like a very waspy serial killer. Yeah, and he kills women and children, apparently. Uh, and the second story, I guess we move on, because... Me explaining any more is going to get super spoilery, and it won't be quite as fun. Yeah, well, I think we'll have a spoiler section later if we want to talk specifics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what is the second story? The second story involves uh, what they refer to as the school bus massacre. Oh, yeah, the school bus massacre, yeah. 
there's um uh, a group of kids. They all look like they're early high school age, you know, and they take out one girl who's apparently autistic to go trick or treating and collect some pumpkins. But the autistic girl is super obsessed with Halloween. Oh yeah, she knows all the facts. She's going back to the Gregorian days. She she sounds like you know she sounds like an encyclopedia entry when she talks about Halloween mm-hmm. facts. Uh, it's her favorite time of year, and who can blame her? Uh, I mean, this is the girl that can hear a howl and go werewolves with like a certain level of confidence, even though that's not her story. Nope. <laughs> she uh, she has a really awesome front yard with like fifty jack o' lanterns. Yeah, she's she's carved out tons of jack o' lanterns for herself, uh, and these you know these kids you know are planning to play a cruel prank on her based around. Uh, the myth, or rather not, the, the true story that's sort of become an urban legend in its own right of the school bus massacre in which a, uh, a school bus driver, uh, I guess 30 years ago, mm. was, was paid off to drown the children, or the, the special needs children. Yeah, the severely disabled children yeah. wearing very creepy homemade costumes. Yeah, and I mean, that's another facet of this movie's, um, I don't know, really intense love of Halloween. It's like they wear all these great masks that are kind of scary and they have that childlike innocence about them. And of course these kids are naturally killed on Halloween, so 30 years later on that very night. Uh, but you know, I want to talk about that again um, before we move on with the plot. Yeah. The the flashback sequence of the Halloween of the school bus massacre, well, something I loved about it, and it goes back to what we're talking about how perfectly this captures Halloween is, that this is what this flashback is shot all in an orange filter. It mm-hmm. like like it's it's showing us all the leaves, but it's it's leaf colored. Like it's the most autumn feeling tone. Yeah, I mean, if uh, it's like flashback scene in Godfather Two, that was yellow. This is orange, and it, you can't think of a scene that's like more quintessentially Halloween feeling than this one. It even feels, it, even though it's the thing that's happening on this camera is dreadful, it still feels warm just because yeah. of the orange filter and just that sort of sunny fall day. Yeah, it's very upsetting to watch it unfold, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and so I guess we'll move on to the third one, because, again, spoilery if we go too far. Spoiler if we go too far. The third one concerns uh, a group of girls trying to pick up dates for a mysterious Halloween party in the woods. Yes. And they're all extremely attractive women. And I was wondering if that in itself was kind of a play on things. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, and, and we have uh, Anna Paquin in a red Riding Hood costume, uh, who, mm-hmm. who, you know, in a typical horror movie would be our final girl. Because, yeah. you know, it's implied that she's virginal and she's, you know, she's hoping... Oh, it's outright said Oh yeah, she's virgin. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, but it's, you know, they, they really play up that trope and make us think, okay, it's going to be a, it's going to be a slasher story. Especially because in her story, prior to the the twist, she's being stalked by what appears to be a vampire. Yeah, vampires. Yeah, just vampire stalking women out on the uh, Halloween parade tour, and no one seems to notice because it looks like it's all part of the fun and games. And there's a there's a fantastic sequence in that one early on where we actually see him kill a victim, yeah. some girl that he's seduced, and what I love about that scene is that, you know, she comes, she runs out of the alleyway where she's been attacked, and she's just gushing blood, and nobody on the street even looks at her during this parade because they're all wearing fake wounds. Yeah. And, you know, and he sits her body down by a bunch of drunks, and nobody looks either because it's just like that. Everybody's just kind of seat, seated with, you know, blood, all, fake blood yeah. all over their costumes. Oh, that's the vampire. Um, so we're kind of, inevit- we're waiting for the inevitable confrontation 
Or maybe the picking off of these girls by this vampire character. But, uh, but it goes in a very interesting direction instead. Yeah. It's, it's unique. It's all part of the fun. And uh, that brings us to kind of our final story. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, is a character we've seen uh, kind of appear in some of the other segments yeah. up to this point. But uh, we have Brian Cox playing Mr. Creedy. Yeah, he's this creepy old hermit with a dog. And he's being tormented by a foul little ghoul. Uh, the the character we mentioned before, Sam. Yeah, Sam, he's just tormenting him. Because Creedy follows none of the Halloween rules. No, he's 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 just no fun, is he? He's a he's a crotchety old man that sends his dog out to attack kids so they drop their candy and he keeps it for himself, you know. He's he hates watching anything Halloween related, he's he enjoys infomercials even more. <laughs> And uh, the director said that they designed Brian Cox's look after John Carpenter. And he looks it. I mean, he, he looks a lot like old man John Carpenter now. He's got the mustache. He's got the uh, the just crazy everywhere gray hair. Does John Carpenter like turn on his TV at Halloween and like Halloween Six is on? He's just like, oh, for the love of, just turns it off. <laughs> He's watching Ron Popeil Carpenter yeah. instead. Exactly. <laughs> um, so. Really, that's kind of the whole movie. Uh, but but you know, but a good thing in this movie, or rather, just a constant in this movie, is that every story, the uh, the character Sam appears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam is it's like the color red and like the sixth sense. He's the link to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. He whenever something goes down, he's there to witness it yeah. or just. He has a great introduction um, early on in the movie. When he's a part of a trick-or-treaters at the serial killer's house. Yeah, and they don't seem to notice him. Yeah, he just kind of pops up behind them, and it's really off-putting. But oh. Sam, and once he shows up, it gets really strange. What, what I love about his first appearance, uh, other than obviously the, uh, the prologue, which I'm not going to go into just yeah. yet, um, is when he gets the candy, and he his bag looks really full, and he yeah. drags it down the stairs, and every time it hits a step, you hear a cat screeching inside the bag. Oh man, I, I barely noticed that, but I mean, I've only seen this movie twice now, and I love it, of course. But so there was a cat inside of the, his bag. Oh yeah, there's a cat inside the bag from the very get-go. I noticed that he really loves, like, lollipops. Yes, uh, candy. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, you know, like he's there's always, like, bits of him, like, poking at a dead crow with a stick or something. Or, yeah. He's just always there. I mean, even in the flashback 30 years ago, he was there in the same size, in the same costume. Yeah, there's um, even a scene where he takes a little damage and you see that his insides are pumpkin yeah he's got pumpkin seeds and pumpkin guts for his innards it's really cool to look at i mean he's a, he's a clear supernatural character and yeah. it's and it's fantastic i mean i would i really like the character and i feel like i mean i feel like horror has kind of been devoid of iconic uh characters lately i mean you know i mean there's, a, there's mostly a guy tying a girl to a chair now Right, and it's, it's always an anonymous-like guy. It's always just some German guy that paid money to a yeah. hostel. Did we just describe the hostel movie? We did. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, uh, the most recent examples I can think of are maybe Ghostface from Scream and Jigsaw from the Saw franchise. But, mm -hmm. like, the, but other than that, like, there's not been a lot of guys that have kind of popped up and just become synonymous with horror in the way that a lot of the early slasher uh, characters have. Yeah, uh, Sam certainly has the opportunity to become an iconic... Uh, or just extremely well-known Halloween figure. And and Dory promises that the more people who spread the word on this, the more likely it is that Sam will rise again from the yeah. pumpkin patch. So please, folks, you know, we 
love this movie, so go out and see it yourselves. We're already telling you this early on in the episode to go see the movie. Because, uh, you know, that's we talked a little bit about how unceremoniously dumped this was when it came out. Mm-hmm. So let's, I mean, let's talk about that, because... Yeah, um, apparently, I think I think it was Warner Brothers that was the distributor. It might have been Universal, one or the other. I think it was Warner Brothers, because they had just done... Brian Singer was the producer on this movie. And Doherty himself was a writer on Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. And that had just bombed at the theater the summer before. And this was supposed to come out Halloween... October of 2007 and sadly the studio just decided to shelve it for two years well and they shelved it for the most ludicrous reason yeah. Uh, you know, the way Michael Doherty, the director, describes it is that the process of trying to pitch this movie was a nightmare. Uh, you know, Do- I mean, to be fair, Doherty's only credits going into this were that he was he wrote he was one of the writers on the screenplays for uh, X Men Two and Superman. Superman Returns. And he made a couple short films. Yeah, he he made a, uh, a a short animated film called Seasons Greetings, which is his sort of college animation project. Yeah, that was a working title to this too. Yeah, uh, which you know features the Sam character. It's a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, other than that, he he hasn't done any. He hadn't really done anything before, and he hadn't really done anything since. But Doherty That's sad to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Doherty trying to pitch this movie so that he came into a lot of uh, a lot of backlash from the studio heads because they would ask him, "Well, what is this based on? Is it based on a graphic novel, or is it based in a video game, or is it a remake of an old horror movie?" Because uh, you know, otherwise audiences aren't willing to buy this, and there's, there's no, no way. Yeah, early notoriety. There's no way to market it, which is insane. And this is a movie about Halloween. You put it out on October 1st, oh, yeah. they, and you just let it run for 30 They could have knocked ways. the marketing out of the park for this movie. And they were terrified of just the thought of anthology horror. That hasn't been done in decades. What are we going to do? But it's a movie that could easily find a wide audience if, if there was an opportunity for it, if it's not just a direct-to-video movie. I mean, and sure, it's achieved a cult status. Like, a lot of the horror heads I know, a lot of the people who are just really into horror movies... Yeah. They'll go out of their way to see this, and they'll tell people about it. Yeah, this movie's ranked very highly amongst horror aficionados, ourselves included. I mean, Sam has become a big merchandising character lately. Yeah. And even the studios recognize that now, ironically. I know Universal Studios has uh, Sam plushes. Yeah, I think so. um, I think Fearnet is even having a 24 hours of trick-or-treat they, on yeah, this Halloween. They do it every year now. Yeah. Uh, and, and Doherty's even done a few short films starring Sam, like one-minute shorts of like... Here's here's what Sam does on Labor Day or Easter or uh, or you know the day school comes back you know and they'll yeah. count down like only fifty one days till Halloween and the trick or treat twenty four hour marathon. So yeah. I'm done with that you know just like the uh, Christmas Story marathon on uh, who did that TNT or something. Anyways. Well you know and and this is you know I've. We talked about the movies and the specials that become tradition for you, and this is sort of ranking up there. Like this is the Halloween Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer that I have to watch every Halloween season. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine watching Halloween without it now. Yeah, it's it's, it's so good, it's so entertaining, it's so pure Halloween. It's a movie about Halloween. And it's and it's uh, you know one of the other astounding things about it is just how short it is. Yeah, it's about 82 minutes, but it's just packed to the gills with all these stories running in tandem with each other. And it breezes by so fast. I mean... It, it felt like it was about an hour long to me. Yeah. There's never a moment where anything's like anything dull is happening. Like, it's just always moving. But it's very satisfying. You very. You sat down and watched a great little haunted house of a movie. It's fun. It's not disturbing horror. There's a little bit of gory stuff in sure. it. Sure. Uh, and there's some sad stuff. The, the kids on the bus, you know, in particular... 
but it's not meant to be like super gross out kind of horror. It's that gap, it's that bridge between like fun, like Roger Corman, old school horror, Mm -hmm. and I think kind of mid 80s horror. I I think it's sort of the inheritor of the the Tales from the Crypt style. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe not as uh, as wicked or gross as Tales from the Crypt necessarily. Tales from the Crypt, uh, as you've shown me lately, yeah, we watched I was the... unaware of how gross that show had been, the links that had gone. But this is, you know, this is pure, short, morality horror storytelling. Yeah. At its best. Um, it's, Doherty Do- Do- wrote it, he directed it, and I think he just, I think he really nailed it. I mean, I, this is one of those few movies I have no problem with. Like, there's nothing about this movie I really dislike. If I had to dislike anything, there's a lot of violence on kids in the movie. Oh, but see, I love that. <laughs> no. I, it, it, it hits me harder. I don't really like that as much. I, I mentioned it in our blob review, but I, I, I don't really enjoy that kids tend to have plot armor. Or like, if a kid is in a horror movie, you know they're going to be okay. So any scene that they're in, you're like, I'm bored. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, I mean, you know, we go back to what we were talking about with like the parents worrying about the vulnerability of children. I mean... Obviously, Halloween is the day of the year where violence could be, you know, conceivably done to kids, or at least we believe that it could be done to kids. Yeah, um, even animals in this movie don't have plot armor, like you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, that's that's everyone's a game. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, you know, and a you know, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil that bit, but you know, a dog does die. Uh, it's not, it's done off camera. It's not, it you know, it's a bit of an unfortunate throwaway, and I wish it didn't happen because I feel like it sort of detracts from a. Uh, from Sam only being a, uh, a someone who harms people who disobey Halloween law, but at the same time, you know, we start our movie with a cat in the bag. So clearly, mm-hmm. clearly, Sam is sort of just a malevolent, malicious prankster that will mm-hmm. hurt anything, and you know, in the in the name of having its own good time, which you know is is the mean spiritedness of Halloween. Yeah, for the evil, yeah, the evil, the wonderful evil of Halloween. Um... Yeah, it's really hard to point out things I might not like about the movie. It's so well edited. Uh, um, and we watched the deleted scene, the deleted scenes, and it was mainly, you know, with the commentary. And yeah. it was mainly Michael Doherty saying over and over again, oh, I wrote this scene, there was a little more dialogue, but I just felt like watching it, it just felt like it went on and on. Like, even like even 30 seconds of dialogue with nothing yeah. happening, he's like... He clearly not- had, in his mind, like a good idea of pacing and how important the pacing is. Um, and the pacing helps the interconnectedness of the stories. Yeah, it just it's so seamless. It's really impressive. Um, it's even more seamless than pretty much every Tarantino movie. And I would say pretty much every anthology horror movie. I mean, you watch yeah. you watch a lot of anthology horror movies, and some segments are fantastic and you can't wait, and then some segments feel like they go on forever because there's just no cohesion. Yeah, yeah uh, well, like I said earlier, um, those movies like Creepshow which I do really like. Mm-hmm. That is just one story at a time. This one, they're all kind of going on one or the other, and they cut together. And then it's kind of like a character liner in scenery from one story, and then we go over to what's going on at the same location with the other characters in the other story. Yeah. It's almost like Seinfeld, mm-hmm. actually, if I had to compare it to anything. And you'll see, you'll see like creepy things happening. Like, uh, you know, in the first story we see... Uh, the the serial killer passed past his neighbor who was in a yeah. window begging for help, and then we see a shape just pull, you know, the neighbor away. Yeah, we're like, what was that about? So in the last story, we finally get to see from the other perspective him begging the guy for help through his window and getting pulled away, and we know what's attacking. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Back to the Future Two, where Marty's at, he's at like his school dance, and then 
he's having to save himself and we're looking at what we just saw in the last movie just from a different angle and it's really cool um, and this movie just does it over and over and it's so much fun um, it, just, it makes you want to live in that world even with that horrible little ghoul who is easily avoidable yes. if you obey the rules of Halloween yeah I mean uh, just watching the Halloween parade it just makes you wish you could be there and you know and it's like it's easy to avoid the rules. I'll just make sure I buy some candy. I'll, yeah. you know, I will, I'll carve my pumpkin, which I did today. I think our pumpkins are actually still burning outside right now. So they should be. Yeah, so we're not we're not blowing them out till after midnight. Actually, we're good now. It's, we're it's, good now. We're recording but, yeah, after midnight for the sake of it. Yeah, we're recording after late at night. Um, uh, this movie is full of like funny little gags too. Like there's a scene. There's like a murder scene, and then you see like a guy and a, a hot dog. Halloween costume just roll down a hill, and it's hilarious. Especially because it, you know, again, the interconnectedness of stories. We saw a gag about hot dog costume guy earlier in the yeah. movie, so it, you know, it all it all comes back together. Mm. Uh, so you know, I if I have anything really that's going to be a spoiler section, uh, so you know, I guess should we put the spoiler section up now? Yeah, we're we're kind of you know kind of winding down to the end here. Yeah, so spoilers here. If y'all really want to go watch this movie, like you should. Turn off this podcast now, because we're headed into spoiler yeah. territory. Turn it off, and then come back, and we'll talk. All right. All right. Are they gone? Are you still there? All right. Good. All right. Spoilers. All right. So uh, what I really love about this movie, um, and we, we hinted at this, was just how well it subverts a lot of horror stereotypes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have the... We talked about uh, the girl who should be our final girl, and we sort of... And, the, you know, and she's stalked by the vampire guy, and we're like, oh, goodness, it's, you know, he's definitely... Definitely. Yeah, he's definitely gonna pick off all of these babes, and they're all wearing like sexy Disney princesses costumes. Yeah. Like, clearly, they're slasher movie victims just waiting. But we learn very quickly that he is not the predator that he thinks he is. Yeah. Um. He ends up stalking Little Red Riding Hood in the forest in a beautifully just lit scene. I love it. Just a, a pumpkin every every five feet yeah, lit it's, up. It's like something from like a Tim Burton wet dream, but in a in, in a good way. Like yeah, classic not, Tim Burton. Yeah, no, it, it's it's like again, it's the Halloween you have in your head. It's the yeah. dream Halloween. And we see him attack her and she screams and then we cut to the party that's in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. And then we see like somebody wrapped up and thrown like across across the forest and like landing from the tops of the trees into, yeah. the, into the ground and breaking their legs on the way down and we think it's Anna Paquin we think it's Red White Riding Hood yeah but really it's the vampire and one of one of the girls walks over and acts like it's no big deal <laughs> and yanks out his teeth because his teeth are apparently fake now and his mask and lo and behold he is the he is the serial killing uh, high, sc uh, high school principal yeah from the first segment who you know had told his son he was on a date, mm -hmm. uh, but he's been he's been murdering women because you know he's he's had his fun killing kids at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he killed a kid with poison and he like puked up blood everywhere. It's disgusting. Because the kid made the mistake of not checking his candy. <laughs> Gosh, they are really strict about those Halloween rules, man. That's right. Although and, that kid had it coming, man. He was smashing all the jack o' lanterns. And... Yeah, well, maybe not deserve to die. Well, no, <laughs> but in the context of this film. Yeah, I guess, yeah, he's right in the crosshairs. If he wasn't going to get killed by the serial killer, I'm sure Sam would have had his way. Well, and technically, he wasn't even wearing a costume. He had he had a this-is-my-costume t-shirt, which is <laughs> the worst thing. This is an irritating kid. 
It's not good for your diabetes there, son. <laughs> but anyways, at this, like, party, like, uh, Anna Paquin mounts the serial killer guy, Dylan Baker. And then they start pulling off their skin, and it's freaky. And they're freaking werewolves, is what we find out what and, all these girls are. And they've got the, uh, the Marilyn Manson cover of Sweet Dreams blasting, which perfectly fits what we're seeing. Yeah. So. And uh, even, like, a drunken teacher we saw earlier in the movie passing out candy is one of the werewolves. You see her way in the background. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I never noticed oh, that. Well. Because... There you go. And um, really great effects, and I love that it's... Kind of a disturbing way, of, like they turn into werewolves. Mm -hmm. And and of course, through this too, we realize that the virginity just means she's never killed somebody before. Yeah, she's eaten the bones of what everybody else gave her, I guess. But yeah. this is her first kill, and that's the impressive thing. Yeah, like they yank off their skin, and they're all furry, and it's all practical effect werewolves. And it's just a pure lady wolf pack. Yeah, there's very few. C there's very little CG in this movie. It's I mean, all... Even that even that segment, even though it has some CG, also has some puppetry and animatronic going on. Yeah, I think it's mostly CG, yeah. Um, it's really cool, and a, just an excellent Tales from the Crypt kind of punchline. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, even you know, going back to the first segment where we were talking about the, uh, the, the principal... You know, like we we're sort of they, the movie keeps trying to subvert us and uh, subvert our expectations and lead us to believe that he's going to kill his annoying son, because the kids you know just like daddy will you help me carve the pumpkin you're supposed yeah. to help me with the eyes are you gonna help like and he's trying to bury bodies and he's getting increasingly annoyed and they keep cutting to shots of him tucking the knife behind his back and making you really nervous that he's gonna stab his own son to death, mm -hmm. uh, but you know we we sort of find out too that the pumpkin they're carving is uh is the head of the boy he killed earlier, and that when he says, help me with the eyes, he literally means, well, let's carve out this boy's eyes. Yeah, and that's, pretty, that's pretty grisly and funny and so he, gruesome tales from the crypt way, yeah. The, the son's, the son's uh, becoming part of his dad's legacy, and even a little humorous touch at the end, uh, even though his dad is dead and he doesn't know it, the, the son is dressed in his dad's outfit, his dad's bloody outfit with the, with the glasses and everything sitting on the porch waiting for him to come home. Yeah, it's actually kind of sad, little monster. <laughs> Um, well, at least he was in a costume, right? Yeah. Um, but I think, like, the werewolf scene, or the girls in sheep's clothing, mm -hmm. or the wolves in girls' clothing, I don't even know if they're actual girls. Um, it's, uh, that was, like, the biggest version of just the genre, or the uh, expectation. Yeah. You know, subversion. And just, you know, let's talk to you a little bit about the, uh, the sort of the maliciousness of Sam when the rules are broken. Holy cow, man. He takes you apart. Literally. Yeah. Uh, the the girl in the beginning of the movie. Uh, she has like her head mounted on like uh, a ghost scarecrow kind of thing. And this is all because she blows out her pumpkin before midnight. And, and her boyfriend says, hey, hey, don't do that. Hey. This is, she also had the death phrase. She said, I hate Halloween. She did. And when he said, hey, this is a sacred day. She said, it's Halloween, not Hanukkah. Get over oh, it. Oh, maybe that was just the knife. And of course, we, little Sam. Of course, at the very end of the you know this is our prologue, but at the very end of the movie, as Sam stops tormenting Creedy, yeah. you know we we see him looking across the across the street like, what the hell did she just do? Like we see him <laughs> visibly look at her, blow the pumpkin out, and yeah. say that stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, I love how um, yeah, with Sam the way he pops up. Uh, there's the scene where the kids getting together to go to uh, the rock quarry mm -hmm. for the bus story thing. And then you'll see Sam kind of in the background walking into somebody's gate. We don't know who yet. Could be Mr. Creedy. Or at the very end, when uh, at the very end of that story, when only Rhonda has survived because you know she's been pranked. 
Yeah. She's been scared to death, and then they actually get attacked by the creatures they were pretending to be. Yeah. And Rhonda thinks they're still pranking her, or even if they're not, she doesn't care and leaves them to their fate. Uh, you know, we we sort of see Sam pop out of a tube and nod approvingly in her direction, like you, you know, you did good, you did good. Yeah. Um, you know, but but yeah, the Sam is actually kind of adorable. He kind of is. Yeah, it's I mean, really he, cute. And he's played by a small kid. I mean, yeah. this isn't a midget or like a CGI character. It's mm -hmm. it is a child. I mean, we actually see the kid playing him uh, in the sequence where the the werewolf girls are getting their costumes. He's a he plays a. A, like I want to say like nine year old peeping Tom in a monkey costume. Yeah, getting started early there, and then yeah, some lady pulls him back and yells at the girls. There are children here, you know. Because they're all talking, they're all talking dirty, and we we think they're talking about having sex, but it's all werewolf puns about eating people. <laughs> I ate a bad Mexican, yeah. or or you know, oh you picked up a girl that time in Tijuana. Yeah, they all taste the same to me. <laughs> See, yeah, we all thought it was like some you know kinky lesbian thing or something, but nope. They are literally talking about eating up, talking about eating Mexicans and lesbians and so on, and it's it's a it's 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 that's the sleaziest part, but it's you know it's especially funny once you know what you're looking for. Yeah, like uh, that's why this movie works so well in multiple viewings, and I, and really I can't wait to watch it again. Like I might watch it in like a day or two. Mm -hmm. I just watched it, you know, no. like an hour before we started recording. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say I really love the Creedy sequence. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's when you get the most Sam. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's the it's definitely the most like out of all three out of all four segments. I feel like it's the most uh, sort of traditional horror movie kind of segment uh, mm -hmm. because you know we sort of have Sam as the home as the supernatural home invader, uh, yeah. and it plays up all the Halloween rule tropes. I mean, Creedy doesn't do it. Creedy doesn't follow any of the rules. You know, Sam torments him uh, in a lot of amusing ways. Um, yeah, he like writes like uh, all over the walls. Like, give me something treat. good to eat. Give me something good to eat. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, like there's there's a scene where uh, Creedy falls down the stairs and into a pile of candy, and all the candy is glass and razor blades inside. Oh, yeah. And uh, Sam's weapon of choice is a candy bar with a razor blade that pokes out of it. Yeah. Or or a uh, he bites a uh, he bites a big pumpkin shaped lollipop so hard that the edges are sharp enough to cut someone's throat open. Like, <laughs> It's some brutal inventive stuff, and even when Creedy shoots uh, Sam a couple of times with buckshot, and he has you see his pumpkin guts. It's he just, so cool. He just kind of coos and slides all the way to the back of the house, but then, then he reconstitutes. He puts himself back together like T one thousand style, and he sticks like his hand back on, and you see like the seeds sort of like grab each other, and. Uh, <laughs> But he, you know, but he lets Creedy go because right at the last second, Creedy accidentally knocks over the candy bar he stole from one of the kids earlier in the movie, and uh, and Sam takes it as tribute, and leaves. And you know, and, and I, again, you going back to you know, I didn't notice this until we watched it this time. But yeah. something I love is at the very end of the movie, uh, we see a very badly bandaged up Creedy, you know, handing out uh, candy to the kids in the neighborhood. And you know, one little girl goes, "Well, Mr. Creedy, nice mummy costume." Uh, you know, but he's he's now following all the rules. Like Sam, you know, during his prank, Sam put hundreds of pumpkins in his yard. Uh, he's got you know he now unintentionally has a costume. He's giving out candy. He's trying to obey the rules. And you know, and we both commented, it's really harch. <laughs> yeah, that uh, Sam is just 
Well, we're, we're looking at it from uh, Creedy's point of view. Sam's about to murder a woman for blowing out a candle, more or right. less. Creedy didn't follow any of the rules, but he got to live because he got a candy bar out of him. And he just, and he murdered a bus full of children. And and his dog. And his dog. <laughs> well, Creedy didn't do it, but Sam did yeah. his dog, but still. Yeah, uh, but of course, you know, uh, there is a, there's one more twist. I'm not going to spoil that either, but Creedy still gets his comeuppance. Yeah, it's, it's so satisfying. It's like getting a great big bag of candy and jumping right in. Um, it's the closest I feel as an adult now to like feeling like the Halloween spirit. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the ultimate Halloween movie. And you know, unfortunately, uh, since two thousand nine, Michael Doherty really hasn't made a movie. Uh, this is his only directorial picture, other his than only feature film. Yeah, he, I mean, he's done like we said, he's done a few Sam shorts for Fearnet, but that's not enough. I. I would love to see a sequel, or I, or I would love to see, you know, even if it wasn't a trick-or-treat sequel, I would love to see what kind of, like, anthology movies he could make out of other holidays. And, or maybe, even like, a horror TV series would right. be great, or a revival of the Tales from the Crypt show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, th- I think I think there's a lot of talent in Michael Doherty, and I really want to see it come out and just be further explored, specifically in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has a lot to give, and I hope... I hope that more and more people discover this movie and uh, the studio realizes there's something there. And if you're still listening, you haven't turned us off because of the spoiler section yet, just go out there. This is this movie is a buy. Oh, yeah. Pick up I, the Blu-ray. I bought it on DVD and then I bought it on Blu-ray. Like, I, I can't wait to listen to the commentaries, actually. Yeah, we, did, we didn't get a chance to do it before this episode because when I bought the DVD, there were no special features initially. And I think yeah. they've added some commentaries now. Yeah. And the reissue, so. Um, you'll see great effects used wonderfully. You'll see great stories that just, they're super entertaining. Very entertaining performances. I don't think any of the actors are off point at all. Like, everybody's... No, and it, it doesn't have, like, a big star, like, eating things up. Or, like, it doesn't have, like, a ditzy or, or woman character that's just there to be, like, scenery or anything. Everybody's no. essential and everybody's good. Yeah, I mean, the biggest actors here are, like, Brian Cox and Anna Paquin. Yeah. And you know, I mean, and even they, even they're not like even they're known as sort of supporting players. More yeah, and Dylan Baker is a big, he's a character actor. You know, you you recognize him as Doctor Connors from the the Raimi Spider Man movies. Poor poor Dylan Baker. The man bided his time through three Spider Man movies as Doctor Connors, hoping one day he'd be <laughs> he's the lizard, lizard yeah. and then Rise Efons gets to do it. <laughs> like it's. Uh, oh, but you know, but he's he's fantastic as the murderous Principal Wilkins. Yeah, slash phony vampire. Well, that about does it now for today, yeah. folks. We yeah. hope you all have a great Halloween. Anything you want to add? Um, yeah, uh, I just want to say uh, we're you know this ends our October horror slate, so we are now uh, in the process of trying to figure out what we do next. Yeah. Um, but we we have decided on an episode for our next show. Yeah, and that is the recent Nicholas uh, Rinding Riffin film. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Uh, only we have God. a week to learn it. Yes, we have a week to learn it. I'll practice it. Uh, only God forgives his follow-up with Ryan Gosling. Huff Was it drive. good? Was it bad? Was it a waste of time? I don't know. We're going to find out. We, we do know. We're just not going to say yet. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, as always, um, check us out on iTunes. Uh, share us with your friends and tell us what you think. Yeah, please rate, uh, write reviews, subscribe. Uh, just anything you can to sort of help get the word out there for us because... Uh, we love doing this show, but it's even better to do this show when we know there are more people out there listening. Yes, and we both extend a very happy Halloween to everyone out there listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, go watch Trigger Treat. Wear, wear a costume, 
make a jack-o'-lantern, put a candle in it. Don't don't blow it out till midnight. Don't. You do not want Sam after you. And stay bloody, my friends. I'm Casey Mitchum. And I'm Burton Cody. Goodbye, y'all. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. So this is a bit unorthodox. Typically when we, we say the stay bloody uh, catchphrase we've developed for ourselves, that means the end of the episode. But yeah. uh, a couple things have happened in the last 30 minutes since we stopped recording. <laughs> Indeed. What are they, Casey? Uh, uh, the first of which is that Bert saw uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad's Sleepy Hollow segment. I got to see it in all of its old school glory. Yeah. yeah. It's, as, it's as fun and silly as I remember. But that's not really what's important here. Um, while we were recording... Uh, yeah, a friend of ours just happened to be perusing the internet, and then he goes, Oh, Trick or Treat 2's been announced. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was announced at a Q&A uh, today, um, in which the director, Michael Doherty, uh, mentioned that he did not have the authority to make the, a sequel to this movie, and the legendary uh, pictures head said, Oh, sure, I'm not going to argue with the fans, I'm not going to argue with Sam... You can make the movie. And a poster for Trick or Treat 2 was projected yeah, on the screen. Little else is known at the moment about Trick or Treat 2. Other than that, it's announced and it is on the way. And that Doherty is going to be directing it again. So maybe it'll be in time for Halloween next year, I hope. Yeah. One can only hope so. So, um, you know, because we were talking, we, we mentioned on the show that, you know, if we got the word out and more people watched it and more people bought it, the studio would take notice. So because we were putting the word out at the time of the announcement. I think it's a Halloween miracle. And I, I think I, sh I think I, you know I take it upon ourselves to say you're welcome, world. Yeah, you're welcome, world. Bloodbath and Beyond made this possible because we put it into the universe at the time of the announcement, so we're taking full credit. Why wouldn't we? So I kind of want a royalty check now. <laughs> Something compensation. But you know what? I'll, but I'll settle for getting the DVD of this movie next year. Okay. Uh, well, with that said, uh, <laughs> that was our breaking news report. Once again, I'm Casey Mitchum. And I'm Burton Cody. Stay bloody.